Welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Daniel Bauer. Better Leaders, Better Schools is a weekly show for ruckus makers. And what is a ruckus maker? A leader who has found freedom from the status quo. A leader who makes change happen. A leader who never, ever gives up. Today's guest is an atypical guest for the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Rohin Shahi is still a student, a student at Duke. He wrote a book on Generation Z. He's a member of Generation Z. And so I think there is tons of value in hearing about his perspective because guess what? They're entering the teaching and counseling and education workforce today. So how do we best prepare for these new ruckus makers in education? We can hear from an expert on that today. And finally, you'll really want to stick around until the last question about how to build the dream school. His Gen Z perspective on what's important in building a school surprised me. I found it very fresh and in some respects alarming because I'm not sure that all of what Rohin talks about is on our radar. It has me question if we're designing schools that will meet the needs of future students. So Ruckus Maker, thanks for being here. And before we jump into the episode, let's take some time to thank our show sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organize Binder, a program designed to develop your students' executive function and non-cognitive skills. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. Ruckus Maker, is email a soul-crushing distraction for you? It was for me, and that's why I subscribe to SaneBox. Start your free two-week trial and get a $25 credit by visiting sanebox.com forward slash BLBS. Have you ever wondered what kind of leader makes a good mastermind member? Well, recently I asked the leaders I serve, and here's what they said about their peers. Eileen, a deputy head in Qingzhou, China, said, Mastermind members are supportive, wise, and not afraid to kick your butt. Chris, a vice principal in Kamloops, British Columbia, Canada, Courageous risk-takers and learners are how I describe my mastermind peers. And finally, Melody, a principal in Kentucky, said mastermind members are generous, driven, and never satisfied with the status quo. If that sounds like you or peers that you'd like to surround yourself with, apply to the mastermind today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. Today's guest is Rohin Shahi, studies computer science at Duke University. And after noticing that many people wrongly assume Gen Zers are just younger millennials, he wrote The Z Factor, How to Lead Gen Z to Workplace Success, a book that provides a simple approach to bridging generational gaps and helping Gen Z grow and thrive in the workplace. Rohin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. This is, a, this is an interesting episode for me personally. I don't think that I do shows kind of like this typically, but as Gen Z matures and is entering you know, the faculty and counselor workforce, I think you have a lot of value to add to help us think about 
how to best approach this generation. So maybe we can start with a definition and how do you define Generation Z? Right. So until recently, you know, the actual boundaries for what makes up Gen Z has been pretty disputed. It still is. The metric I use is from the Pew Research Center. And it defines Gen Z as people born in 1997 and beyond. And that definitive end hasn't really been defined yet. uh, But we know that sometime this decade is kind of when Gen Z uh, ends. And then, you know, whatever we decide to call the next generation will come up and bring their own unique values and kind of characteristics. So 97 and beyond. And basically, I think that's uh, right when I was leaving high school. I graduated in 96. And so that is uh, a lot of fun to, you know, just put that age stamp here in the podcast for the ruckus maker listening. And -hmm. and so defining Gen Z is interesting there. Uh, What are some of their their traits that makes them different than other generations? Right. So the fun thing about doing all this is I was doing a lot of research and kind of digging into different conducting interviews and looking at different research studies to kind of define what makes up Gen Z. But at the same time, you know, these are my peers. These are the people I interact with on a daily basis. And so I think a couple of things that really define us, especially when it comes to work and what we're hoping to achieve in life, is that we're very, very purpose-driven in that when we're approaching work, whether that be while we're still in school, uh, through our careers, uh, things like that, we're looking for very meaningful, impactful work. And ultimately, you know, that's kind of a broad thing to say. And so what I really found is that it's about making an impact down the line. You know, someone I interviewed once, Zach Mercurio, once told me that every problem or product or service that we provide through work ends up impacting a human down the line. And so Gen Zers really want to see that human impact in the work they do, whether it's directly face-to-face or a couple steps down the line. That's something that's really meaningful to us. And we're all open to, to exploring. You know, there's the idea of doing the same work over and over and over again, kind of uh, uh, repetitively, isn't something that's super appealing to most of us. And it's about kind of exploring even within a company, you know, some of the different roles available, some of the different job abilities and kind of things you're able to do. And then beyond that, you know, there's a whole lot of things. But I think that really kind of gives a good overview of who we are. We're really, really driven. And it's about trying to find our niche in life. You know, when I joined the uh, education industry as a, as a teacher and then moved into formal school leadership, that was a big reason why. Uh, being able to see the impact I was making with my work on a day-to-day basis, I found to be incredibly satisfying. And so I'm hearing you really drill that in, in terms of uh, being purpose-driven. When you were doing your research and thinking about impact down the line, how it impacts that human being you were talking about, were there any sort of examples that really uh, illustrate this point? I don't know if it surprised you or, or you just found it interesting, but what, what are some of those types of, of roles and jobs that, that you've seen providing that purpose-driven? Mm-hmm. And so I think something that's really unique is that a lot of it boils down to us kind of combining things that may not seem immediately uh, relevant. So I give the examples of students at Duke who would for instance, you know, you would have uh, pre-med students who are also studying music on the side. And rather than treating that as a hobby, they wanted to integrate that into the work they were potentially going to do by maybe going down uh, music therapy mm. or uh, uh, modeling how music kind of influences the mind. You know, you have a bunch of computer science students who are interested in, say, sports 
looking at really data analytics to drive, you know, machine learning algorithms for the future of sports or really anything. And so I think all these unique blends, it's not so much about, you know, saying I want to do X career path and then sticking to the traditional route of what defines X, but instead trying to find ways to kind of gather their interests in a unique career path. And so I think those are kind of ways that we are very purpose-driven in that even if it isn't immediately apparent where the purpose is going to lie in the kinds of work we're going to do, we try to find ways to integrate our interests, integrate our other kind of hobbies and things that drive us into creating purpose for ourselves. And so something I recommended for workplaces, but holds true for schools as well, is trying to find a way to kind of facilitate this integration of ideas so that we feel truly motivated while we work. Yeah. And so from uh, you know, a leadership point of view and for the ruckus maker listening, that that stance you take as a leader demands, you know, flexibility, uh, openness, strong mm-hmm. communication, bringing Gen Z and others to the table to look at. And what I'm hearing you say, Rohin, is uh, colliding unique ideas uh, and things together that, like you said, medicine and music, you might not necessarily see them as uh, aligned, but it provides a very interesting pathway that a Gen Zer would find meaningful through that work. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of it is for each person, it's different, you know, for one person, it can mean music and medicine for another person. It could mean something else entirely. Right. And that's something that's really, uh, that I just find really, really unique and interesting. And so for the ruckus makers, you know, you're having all these Gen Z teachers, counselors, and other faculty coming into the workplace. And a lot of them, you know, they got their certifications and all, but they also have these other interests in mind, ways that they want to maybe uniquely shape the classroom. And so a lot of that boils down to then giving them the freedom and flexibility to experiment with all these other kinds of ideas and, and interests they have. And it could turn out to be pretty exciting for the future. It makes it personalized. And you keep coming back to this idea of unique and interesting. And that's exactly what we want to do with our students. So why not do that with our, our faculty members as well? Exactly. And the beauty of this is now that these new faculty members are entering the workplace, they're Gen Zers themselves, but they're going to be teaching and working with other Gen Zers who are on Mm. the younger end of that spectrum. And so I find that dynamic really interesting because there's this kind of alignment in overall values and kind of ambition. And so I think, A, that'll help facilitate some of these conversations between students and faculty that'll be much stronger than in the past. But B, it'll also help us or help students kind of understand where the teachers are coming from and help facilitate this kind of growth mindset. And so, you know, when I'm talking about purpose and all, I think it'll help become a lot more individualized in that there'll just be better communication all around in helping both students kind of achieve their goals, both academically and in other ways, but also helping teachers kind of see that feedback loop and how the work they're doing uh, influences the students and how the students' work is actually influencing them. Right. I know we've touched on uh, purpose-driven and why that's so important to Generation Z. Is there anything else uh, characteristically that makes them tick or anything else you want to add in terms of uh, what drives Gen Z? Mm -hmm. So you're seeing this really, really big push for mentorship and feedback. And, you know, that's always been present in past generations as well. But what I found is for Gen Zers, that tends to be a priority over some other traditional kind of needs and wants in the workplace. And so what that means is when you have, you can talk about students or 
teachers in this respect, but you know, we're all seeking mentor figures in our life. As I wrote this book, you know, it was a huge uh, mentorship uh, program essentially that helped me get published. And that's kind of what's the uh, driving us today. We're seeking mentor figures in our life. And so what that means is that there needs to be a kind of feedback loop that's very, very direct and very, very apparent between new faculty who are Gen Zers and potentially people who have been in the workplace for longer periods of time. You know, this is all new and exciting and the world is changing so, so quickly that without this kind of mentorship, it's hard to keep up. And it just gives us a sense of not only security, but also uh, personal growth when we're able to learn from older people and kind of see how that shapes our own work ethic and work. So that's true for teachers as well as students themselves. And I think moving forward, that's kind of something I'm going to recommend for uh, schools to implement is some of these mentorship programs for students as well. I'm going to anticipate that you'll say that mentorship should be personalized and, you know, made uh, to meet the needs of that individual. Um, But I'm curious if there's any sort of broad strokes that you could paint for the ruckus maker listening in terms of what effective mentorship could look like. Mm -hmm. And so one thing I talk about is how the actual definition of mentorship is changing too. It's becoming a lot more, there's a lot of different paths within there. So something that's really interesting is called reverse mentoring. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's where younger folks mentor older individuals. And what that enables is a greater ties to either the school or the company or things along that line. But it becomes a more uh, loop-driven thing in that it's not just one person from an older position talking to a younger worker. It helps drive these kinds of conversations back and forth. And so... I think it's really important uh, at schools because it helps drive uh, effective communication, which is obviously really, really important in school systems. But it also helps senior management kind of understand some of the trends that are shaping, you know, their student body. Uh, There are all these new, either in social media or just in any other kind of social trends that are shaping uh, students today. And so helping kind of everyone understand what's going on is really, really important. And then there's also this idea of micro-mentorship. You know, when people think of mentorship, they usually think of one, you know, or maybe two really influential people in someone's life. But what you're finding now is that people have dozens of little connections that they have where people give them tidbits of advice or helps them learn, you know, hey, this is something that I thought you would find interesting. It could be an article or something. It's just, it's something I deem micro-mentorship. And it's this idea that rather than having these individual few connections. It's about creating this web, this ecosystem of basically people helping each other out. All right. Well, we've been talking Generation Z and what makes them tick and just touched on mentorship. Right now is a good spot to pause just for a message for our sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder is an evidence-based RTI Tier 1 universal level solution and focuses on improving executive functioning and non-cognitive skills. You can learn more and improve your student success at OrganizedBinder.com. Today's podcast is sponsored by SaneBox. I'm a current subscriber to SaneBox, and it is absolutely a tool that all school leaders cannot live without. Why do I love it? It just works. There is nothing to learn, nothing to install, and SaneBox works directly with every single email service out there. Imagine a world where only the important emails make it to your inbox. 
All the unimportant stuff is magically filtered out to folders that you can review later. That's SaneBox's artificial intelligence working behind the scenes. It has saved me countless hours of filtering emails each week, and it will do the same for you. If I could give you three or more extra hours each week, what would you be able to accomplish with that time? That's what SaneBox does for me, and it will do it for you. Start your free two-week trial and get a $25 credit by visiting SaneBox.com forward slash BLBS. That's SaneBox.com forward slash BLBS. You're building a school from the ground up. I'm really interested in this Generation Z perspective. And if you're not limited by any resources, your only limitation is your imagination. How would you build your dream school and what would be your top three priorities? <laughs> That's a really fun kind of thing to think about. You know, obviously, if there are no bounds on resources, they're the pretty obvious things, right? Like making it technologically advanced, providing, you know, good, healthy food to everyone, things along those lines. But I think tying it back to mentorship, for instance, creating mentorship programs to help students and teachers alike. You know, if we aren't bound by resources, this can be really, really beneficial. Because I remember I went to a large public high school and there was only a handful of, say, counselors and other faculty for hundreds and thousands, actually, of students. And so this idea of mentorship wasn't really strong. It was more about maybe you had a good connection with a teacher or something along those lines. But helping to facilitate kind of this a more robust uh, mentorship program where feedback is continuous uh, from you know, early on all the way to graduation uh, can be really, really beneficial. And what this can mean is just simply having more people on hand to help with this, as well as providing maybe going back to the social media idea, providing programs and initiatives to help you find ways to reach out and branch out to find this kind of mentorship and feedback. You know, if maybe, maybe a student's interested in some particular trade. How do you find people who are also interested in that trade to help guide you? And so creating these kinds of platforms and programs is really key. And then something I haven't really touched upon, but that's really, really important is mental health in terms of Gen Z is the most anxious generation of, you know, the recorded generations in the, the past few. And that becomes really, really apparent in school uh, and doesn't really go away once you enter college or any other kind of trade. Because, you know, we have all these pressures, especially academically to perform, but also socially and in other ways. And so, in my personal opinion, schools aren't doing enough to help us kind of handle that mental anxiety and stress and other mental issues that may hinder us in the future. And so, having really robust programs with, you know, trained professionals who understand kind of where we're coming from, this might also help if they're, you know, Gen Zers themselves, uh, is really, really apparent. And people really focus on students, but, you know, it's important to consider that teachers and other faculty who are entering the workplace may have the same kind of background and same afflictions, but are given even less attention. And so creating these kinds of programs where, you know, anyone can talk about some of the issues they're facing without fear of repercussions is really, really important because, you know, it affects so many of us and it really becomes apparent in school when you're talking with your peers or with others that, you know, people are stressed out, anxious, things along those lines, that I think we should be, be a lot more proactive about how we handle anxiety and other mental afflictions. And then the last thing is, I think, uh, uh, having 
uh, of course, given that there are no bounds, having a really kind of unstructured period of time. Some people call it study hall and all, but at the same time, really encouraging students to pursue personal projects. You know, at Duke, there's a fun thing where you can do independent research for course credit. And that's something that I think is really cool and we should encourage in schools. You know, what if someone was really, uh, uh, really, really passionate about creating an app for something, but they don't have the time due to the pressures of middle or high school or whatever. Having a period of time every day or maybe, you know, two times a week, whatever, during the school day where they can pursue some of these side projects and not fear, you know, oh, this is going to be graded on this rubric but just really being given the chance to explore some of these interests will help them feel a lot more confident in what they want to do. It'll help them uh, in uh, college admissions because they'll have more under their belt and it'll kind of help drive this purpose. You know, yes, this is really what I want to do because even for me personally now in college, I'm still not a hundred percent sure where I want to go in life. And so the earlier we do this and facilitate this, the better. And this could mean anything, you know, it could be, it could be artwork, you know, painting, things along those lines. It could be music. The thing I found is that a lot of these interests really don't come to light until people enter college because now we have a little bit of the time and the resources to do so. And so helping us kind of find some of these extra things that we might otherwise put under the umbrella of free time is really, really key for the future. And I think something that schools should definitely emphasize. Rohan, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? The future of work is changing, and that's true for just about any kind of workplace. And so Gen Zers are entering the workplace as, you know, in schools, but in other uh, areas as well, honestly wondering, you know, where is life going to take me? And so everything I've kind of said today, I'm hoping has kind of shaped this idea that Mentorship and feedback is super important, and this can be facilitated through a bunch of different mediums, whether that be through, you know, more indirect interaction through social media, through providing resources for mental health, through kind of encouraging some of these side hustles, hobbies, and ideas, and basically just creating a place where people are free to explore uh, and try new things. You know, if we feel restricted by our jobs, we're going to lose a lot of motivation, a lot of purpose. And so it's about not just giving us a little more free reign to kind of explore, but also helping guide us towards some of these things that we find purposeful. And ultimately, that really means facilitating these conversations continuously and becoming mentors for generations of the future. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.